tonight, we're going to do a little bit of in-depth coverage of the first season. Balls in the ring. You ready for it, Joe? I'm ready. See, this is why I'm you got to... This... came back from the grave. This is why... Well, thank you, Macho Man, for uh, coming back from the grave for this. Uh, it was actually his anniversary of his death like two days ago. <laughs> Nine years. And it's, and it's funny that we're going to... Uh... I guess we're, we're doing a double episode tonight, mm -hmm. but Nancy Benoit was born on May 17th. Oh, no kidding. Yep. Shares a birthday with me. Wow. Yes. I didn't, I didn't know she was born May 17th. Yes. That's some shit. So. Hmm. Well, have yes, we are going to, we are going to, we have finished, uh, or they have finished, essentially, season two of Dark Side of the Ring. Right. And we are going to give... Our take on each episode. Yeah, for anyone who uh, is a fan of this show or anyone just joining us, uh, Tom and I, we Tom and I have been friends for that's almost close to thirty years, the better half of thirty years. Uh, and our friendship kind of started because we both loved wrestling. Yes. And through the years, like we've had wrestling parties at each other's houses and other people's houses, and. Trampoline wrestling. Tramp, yeah, we, yeah. Many injuries. <laughs> people got knocked out. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they did. <laughs> but um, yeah. So we uh we, we've been longtime wrestling fans. Um, I think over the years you've become more on the casual side. I think that's fair to yes. say. I've kind of just so much. Yeah. So the Vice Channel has, for the last two years, done a documentary series on wrestling called Dark Side of the Ring. The more seedy side of the, uh, the, more seedy, the business. The more seedy side. Um, basically, any kind of like dark story. Controversy. Yeah, controversy. Um, so what we, me and Tom, we, we've talked about it since it started, and every week we kind of like, oh, did you watch this episode? Blah blah blah. So we decided to do a recap. Yes. Of both seasons, uh, go episode by episode, what we thought of it. And uh, that's what brought us here today. Now, we might have to split this up into two parts because it is It'll a long... It'll probably be a twofer. Yeah, and then at the end of it, Tom and I are going to give our predictions for what Season 3 might have. Yes. All right, well... I think it's a great series. It One, it's from the time where I was really involved in it and, and watched it all the time. So it's a lot of stuff that uh, returns memories for me. Yeah, and it's done exceptionally well. It really is. They really go in depth. They get a lot of people from the wrestling business um, who know their shit. Um, it's yes. cre the, the creators are Evan Husney and Jason Eisen Eisener, if I got that right. Um, the first season was narrated by Dutch Mantel. Um, he was he's a manager in wrestling um, the second season was uh, narrated by Chris Jericho who is a, a and one McFoley episode and yeah he did Bruiser Brody but we'll get to that mm -hmm. um, yeah so it's, it's it's they haven't announced if the season three is gonna if there will be a season three or not yet but I'm pretty sure that's I, I think there should be I, I mean they, they this has to be a, a high audience I viewed Episode I believe show, I believe it is because every time an episode airs, especially this this last one with Owen Hart, I told you a couple weeks ago that after the Owen Hart one airs, there's gonna be a lot of shit flying around, and there was. Oh, um, yeah. It really kind of um, it's noticed. You yes. know, it's very no, it's a very noticed uh, show. It's, uh, people uh, it's very very much reported on. Or what mm -hmm. the episode's about, or what was said, and whatnot. So it's a very good show. If you if you're a fan of wrestling, or if you're even a fan of just like uh, true crime documentaries, you might like these. Yes. So. And I think other than the last one, which was the Owen Hart one, mm -hmm. it has been very like down the middle. It's not one sided. Yeah, I would say for the most part. I, I think that they've done a very good job on how to toe the line of it not swaying on one side of the story or the other. It's, mm -hmm. it's right down the middle, and it really does hit, 
like all the bullet points, if you will. Really does, yeah. But we'll we'll get to that last one. So yeah. let's start off with the first. Now the, the way this started was they did Bruiser Brody first. That was the first one they yes. made, and they put it in front of. Um, I think there was like a wrestling convention, and they aired it there, and it got like a lot of rave reviews, and that's how it got picked up. But the mm-hmm. first episode to air was the match made in heaven, which is about um, Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man Randy Savage, basically about their relationship, and it was it wasn't your uh, average marriage. It was. Uh, you know, they both were in the wrestling business. Miss Elizabeth was a backstage announcer for, um, I believe it was Florida Championship Wrestling or whatever it was called, where Randy Savage was, and that's how they kind of hooked up and got together. Uh, got married in the early 80s. Um, Elizabeth? Yeah, he became... Will she, you marry me? Yeah, well, that was, that was much later. But anyway, yes. yeah, so they didn't always have the greatest marriage from what they said. Yes. You um, can't ask them because even though he did come back for that quick intro, they're both deceased. Yeah, and that's what kind of. I mean, it was a good. Ep- it was a decent episode. On we're gonna each. Oh, we each gonna give our review, up yes. to five stars, right? One through five. Yes. One through five. Yeah. Um. I did like the episode. Um. Like they, I think they had Jimmy Hart. Who's I, I think Jimmy Hart's one of those guys that like I always find him very credible. Yes. Um, like Been he's in just forever. yeah, like he just very credible. Like, but he's also just such a nice guy that yes. I can't see him being a bullshitter. No, um, there's a few on here that you could definitely see putting in their uh, their opinions, if you will, based on fact. Right. And we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of which, Linda Hogan was on here, Hulk Hogan's wife. And her take on it, I always kind of don't know if I want to believe or not. Because mm-hmm. she seems like she's just very full of shit. And she's very pro-Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Saying how Randy Savage... Like, she, like I guess they kind of got separated. Or she stayed with the Hogans for a while. And Randy Savage came looking for her and all that other crap. Um, that's the only part is that both of them are dead. So it's kind of hard to kind of get, well, what's true and what's not true, you know? But this was definitely during the key fob era where you never you never kind of heard this side of the story. Mm-hmm. It was, this was the storyline, and we're going to stick to it. And you, you know, and we were young at the time, but you, you would never from the filming of it and how they portrayed themselves to ever have any type of issues. Yeah. So that's what kind of also made it a little more like, wow, this is really what's happening. Yeah. Behind, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. Um. So I'll, I'll get straight to my review, and I'm, I'm gonna, this is why I kind of gave it. I gave it out of five stars. I gave it two. Okay. Reason why is because I feel like it's more a, of a um. Like, it's like third parties telling what happened. You know, it's, it's what everyone saw from the outside, but not it wasn't too much look on the inside, with the exception of uh, what Linda Hogan says, and I don't really take for what take what she says. I take it with, like, with a grain of salt. I, I definitely think she has a heart on for the business. I think so, too, yeah. Um, I think they really... I mean, I don't know if they tried. They should have tried to get Hogan. Because he, if, if anyone was closest to him, it was... It was if anyone was close to Macho Man, it was Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, so I think he would have had a lot to say, but who knows? I mean, maybe Hogan asked for too much money. <laughs> so. Very true. Yeah. He needs another uh, leg surgery. Mm-hmm. So what about I, you? It was a very. I kind of felt the same way you did. You couldn't get the first perspective on it, with them both being dead. But what it really did do was, as I said. It, uh, it opened my eyes to kind of like, wow, this is this is how it really was. You know, that, that it was a dysfunctional marriage. It was, you know, jealousy and betrayal. It, it really kept you on the edge of your seat for that. And I, I gave it a three and a half. Okay, nice. Because 
it, it, it sucked you in, and it really got me interested about this entire series and how it would all kind of play out. Right. So that, that's kind of where I, I felt it went on that. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked, I liked how it was made. I, I, I liked the reenactments. It reminded me of, like, Unsolved Mysteries back in the day. Yes, and even though you don't see the actors' faces, they really do get the look of them. I like that they don't show the faces. Yes. And, but, I mean, they have characters, that, you know, actors that are playing these people, but they really do remind you of them. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't chintz out on that. Yeah. So, I, I thought it was a great opening of the series, and it definitely got me hooked to continue watching. Well, I, and I, I think the reason why they made this the first episode is because it's Macho Man. And so yeah. many people know who Macho Man is. So when you're looking through and you're like, oh, it's, this is about Macho Man. Let me tune in and see. It, it'll it grab them. It'll yes. grab that viewer. Uh, Whereas you had the Bruiser Brody thing, and not a lot of people may have known him, especially younger fans. Right, yeah. But everyone, you know, everyone knows the Macho Man. Everyone's talked like the Macho Man once in their life. Yeah. I never have once. Um, yes. But it really it really kicked off the, 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 the show to being what it really turned into is a great documentary series right yeah it really it really is a it, it's it definitely set the tone for the uh, the show so you gave it three and a half stars three and a half very good okay so from that they moved on um the next episode was the uh, Montreal screw job which uh, for anyone who doesn't know, was between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series 1997. Um, a lot of contra- leading up to it was a lot of bullshit going on. Uh, Bret Hart signed maybe like maybe almost like a year before this. Bret Hart signed a 20-year contract with WWF. Yes. Um, WCW was whipping its ass in the in the ratings and. It got to the point where Vince McMahon couldn't afford to have Bret Hart anymore. So in Octo- late September, early October, he told Bret Hart, "Listen, you gotta have. To, I mean, we can't afford you. You're better off going to WCW and making more money." Blah blah blah. So Bret Hart's the world champion. Leading up to this, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels hated each other. And got into like a physical confrontation in the backstage at one of the Raws. Bret Hart would not drop the title to Shawn Michaels in Canada, which is where Survivor Series was taking place. So the entire weekend leading up to that, no one had any idea who was going to win the match. And it came down to Shawn Michaels putting Bret Hart in a sharpshooter. And Vince McMahon telling the referee to ring the bell. Match was over. Shawn Earl Michaels Hebner. won. Yeah, Earl Hebner. And that was that. So it kind of did all that, like all that stuff going on. Um, if anyone's ever seen the documentary Wrestling in Shadows, uh, which was a camera crew around the same time was following Bret Hart around, they covered that very well. I think it's, if no one's seen that, I highly recommend finding it. I think it's on YouTube. Um, good episode. For me, though, like this is one of those things where like I've known so much about it and I've heard... Like again, like the Wrestling with Shadows documentary covered it. It um, it's just been covered so many times. Um, I gave it three. I gave it three stars because they, uh, you know, Jim Cornette was on this a lot, which was good because they kind of did the whole backstage thing. Now this fucker's weed whacking. <laughs> um, Vince Russo was interviewed. I liked it. Uh, they had Bret Hart. He was interviewed, which was good because you had one of the guys involved. Yes. Um, good episode. Uh, but, like, for me, as, like, someone who's so into it, and I, I understand, like, this isn't, like, I'm not, like, the target audience. They want to get people who don't know any of this stuff to know about it. Uh, so, for me, it was just kind of, uh, like I said, I gave it three stars. Good episode, but I, I've known all this stuff already, so it wasn't anything newsworthy, but I still enjoyed it. I gave it four. Mm-hmm. One, Bret Hart was one of my favorite wrestlers. And the one thing that I always found uh, 
a little bit fascinating about it was that you still had a lot of the Hart family that was still signed with WWF. Yeah. Yeah. And they really, you know, they, they were putting a pickle at them. Yeah. You had Owen staying, you had Brett going, it, it was right in the middle of the uh, Monday Night Wars, mm-hmm. and it really, it was really good because, as you said, there was that first-person perspective. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I really like. You had the guy, one of the, out of the two, I'd say three main people, you had one of them, and it was the guy that got fucked over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I Earl Hebner was in it as well. Yes, he was. You're right. So he was. That's right. I forgot about that. So there you go. That was another one. Yeah, and you know, think about that poor guy. He's been with the. Not only did it affect the Hart family, but it affected them. Mm-hmm. Him and his brother were were referees. They're long time referees. Probably they were the senior referees. Yes. And you know they're told to do this. The fact that he lost in Canada with his own move. You know, you could see the hatred there. And, you know, Brett spitting on him. It really, it really kind of, you know, everyone knew the Macho Man. Mm -hmm. And everyone's heard this story. So they came out with what I consider like two really good combo, a good one-two combo that really sucked you in. And again, I think that this really built momentum for the the series. I agree. That's why I I really enjoyed it. Another episode that really kind of... You put a Bret Hart, who's a, who's a known name, for the most part. Um, yes. Another episode that kind of draw people in. Top three biggest guys in the in the in the federation. Absolutely. Um, they also had Scott Hall interview, and he kind of made a comment where he thinks the whole thing was a work, which means Bret knew about it. Sean knew. Well, Sean knew about it, but that Bret Hart was also in on it. And it kind of makes me wonder. I mean, if you really think about, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I think, I think it would have been, it would have come out by now that he knew. But if you kind of think about it, Bret Hart's going to another corporation, another, another uh, company. So it's kind of like, listen, Vince McMahon is talking. Listen, like, let's get you in there hot. You could be the most talked about person in in the in wrestling. It'll be all over the news. Like if this goes through and works, it's a win-win for both because people are yeah. going to tune into to us to see, you know, uh, uh, what's going to happen next, and then they're going to anticipate you going over there. Whereas if he just went over there, yeah, it'd be anticipated, but I don't think it would have drawn that many more people. And a good point on that is you always heard about Bret Hart being in the. Uh, I guess he like chased down Vince McMahon in the locker room punched him out yeah but you never saw any damage from it you know what I mean he had a black eye did he have a black eye oh yeah no he uh, he definitely dropped him that's what makes me think but that even that could have been kind of like because Vince McMahon went up to him and said listen I'll give you one shot Brett knocked him out <laughs> and it was in front of a lot of people it wasn't like a private thing it was in front of a lot of the wrestlers and well yeah Pat Patterson Jerry Briscoe yeah there. yeah so and- I don't think I don't I, again I don't I don't think it was a work I, I think it was legit but I mean if they if this was a work it would have been they, they got everybody yeah you know it, it, it would have been probably the greatest wrestling angle ever if it turned out that Bret Hart knew about it the entire time and went along with it and Bret's yeah. very old school like he I see him like sticking to his guns yeah you know and he was kind of that first guy to transform, you know, where it was just all the big dudes. Yeah. You know, and he kind of got it into that tech back and back, if you will. Yeah. Into the technician and that. And then, you know, you have the Owens, you have the Shawn Michaels, the high flyers. The smaller guys. He, he, he was kind of that bridge. Yeah. And, you know, to screw him, it, it was, it was a fuck job. It, it was, was it, yeah. It was a screw job. Yeah. If, if yeah, there's one theme going throughout this whole series, I mean, if you look at kind of who was interviewed in season one as compared to season two, you could see a lot of guys didn't come back, with the exception of a few. Mm-hmm. I, I I think because a lot of these guys be, they kind of went under 
the WWE contract. Like Scott Hall never really came back. Because yeah. I think he has like a Legends contract with WWF. Um, this series does not portray the WWF in a very good light. And what surprises me about this show is that they have a lot of WWF footage. Oh, they, yeah. they can't use that without permission. So it makes me wonder, like, is WWE giving them permission to use this? Or are they just... I mean, like, would you give permission of, like, something you own if... Say, like, they're doing a documentary about where you work. Would you let mm-hmm. them footage use footage of you if they're bashing the company you work for? Exactly. It, it makes me wonder. I don't know. And that's where where you bring up a good point. They do shoot it down straight down the line. Yeah. They're not leaning one way. They're, they're, they're telling the story. And they're not influencing it, I don't think, too much. So No. But this kind of brings us into now, if you will, the B side of wrestling. Yes. People may not be very familiar with it, and the third episode is The Killing of Bruiser Brody. He was a giant monster. At the time, he personified that 80s big guy, you know, hit him with everything you got, and it's going to be... It's Godzilla vs. Mothra type of match. It was big dudes fighting. Mm -hmm. They ended up going down to... Was it Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico, yeah. Which, they take their wrestling very seriously down there. It's not, you know... There's certain places where wrestling kind of... is... Like the national, I don't want to say the national sport, but where it, Kefob still lives, it seems. Yeah. Japan, Puerto Rico, I heard it's like that. Mexico is like that. Mm-hmm. These are hardcore places. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they, they have from just regular Joes up to politicians going to see it. And it was a big thing. So they were on this tour, and there was a bunch of guys from different organizations there. So essentially what happened was they were in the locker room. It was uh, before a match with Bruiser Brody, who is named Frank Goodish. He was going to be fighting uh, Dan Spivey. Spivey, yes. Yes. And Bruiser Brody was kind of known to be a bit of a stiff wrestler. Very hardcore. Think, uh, Think Mick Foley. For any new people out there, like if you know who like Cactus Jack and stuff, he was inspired by Bruiser Brody, like very hardcore wrestler. But a giant, big dude. I think he was like six eight, six yeah, six. Big he played bi- college football, I believe. Yeah, big dude. And he was he was always known as a stiff wrestler, which for anyone who doesn't understand, that means that like he doesn't sell stuff. He hits hard. You know, he he's not. When he throws a punch, he's throwing it with power. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, a fake punch. Right. And he wrestled, he was wrestling this one guy, um, you know, in the past. And they always, he always said, like, you know, he would fight stiff. He would do all this. And the guy that he was in the locker room with was Jose Hurtadas Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. And they ended up uh, having a discussion and they went into the shower, which I guess if you, you know, your high school locker room, the shower was kind of like hidden from everyone. It, like it kind of went around a curve, I guess. Yeah. Uh, one of the things in wrestling, not, I don't know about now, but back in the day is that before a match, you went with your opponent into the shower and you discussed the match there so no one else could hear it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, it's like, a, it's like a, uh, a private area where people could talk. So, They go in there, a shouting match ensues, and then it turns physical. Mm-hmm. One of the wrestlers that was there was Tony Atlas. He ends up hearing the argument. He goes in, and he sees Bruiser Brody bleeding. Mm-hmm. Looks at him, he's stabbed. The other guy, I guess, takes off. And because it's such a popular sport and everything that went on with it, they call for an ambulance, but the crowds, the 
how it just packed the the arena, they weren't able to get there for like almost an hour and a half. I yeah. think they said. Yeah. By the time they get there, he ends up uh, dying. Yeah, well, they took him to the hospital. They, they did get the there. Hospital. They got him. I think Tony Atlas carried him and carried him out. Yeah. Tony Atlas is his big. I met I met him years ago. This guy's arms were just like they were tree yeah. trunks. Yeah, like the size of our heads. So, and he picked up Bruiser Brody, who's easily over three hundred pounds. It's like, like we said, six six, six seven, six, six eight. Six eight, three hundred pounds. Good lord, I mean that's a lot of fucking weight. And he picked him up and, and carried that's him. Dead weight. Yeah, literally. Weight. <laughs> picked him up into the ambulance. He went with them. Um, and he uh, he ended up dying at the hospital. And listen, it's nothing against Puerto Rico. It, it's but it's a third world country. Probably not the greatest medical area in, in the world. Yeah, at that time, I mean. Yeah, and you know, back in the day, um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of bullshit goes on with like the police there. Um, you don't know who's behind the scenes pulling strings, you know. Yeah. So they, you know, the investigation was pretty much botched. Nothing was done. Yeah. Um, they acquitted him. Yeah. And they ruled that it was in self-defense. Mm-hmm. So. And for years, I think a lot of wrestlers wouldn't go down there in support yeah, it, of that. it kind of turned into, this left a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. And if you look at the way Jose Gonzalez was, you have six foot eight, 300-pound Bruiser Brody. You have five foot eight, 255-pound. Wow, that, he was a small guy. Small and dumpy. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, a little taller than me. Yeah, but, like, probably, what, 50 pounds more than you? Uh, yeah, about that. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I could see where you could see the self-defense because of the physical characteristics. Mm-hmm. But why are you bringing a knife into a, you know, into a... Exactly. area like that? Exactly. It, it was predetermined. Yeah. And, the, and Tony but, Atlas even said that, like, it... The backstage before all that was like very hostile. Yes. Like he went into the room and like some people were talking, they just shut up as soon as he walked into the room. Um. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know about you. I love this episode. Yes. Um. This... Oh, I'm sorry. I gave it. I gave it four and a half stars. As did I. Yeah, it was a. I mean, this is the episode that really kind of pulled. Like, I, I I was already loving it because it's wrestling. I love anything about wrestling. But and I, even though I've known about this, like just hearing some of this backstage stuff was crazy. I didn't like I didn't know. Sa- Remember Savio Vega? Yeah. He was there. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, he was backstage too, and I didn't. I never knew that. I didn't know he was there. So very good episode. Yeah, very good episode. It, this this kind of now you you had your fan favorites kick off the series. Have the fan favorites. They went like I said again a B side. They, they, they flipped the they flipped the uh, album over, you know the record over, mm-hmm. and they put the B side on. And this is a story that not a lot of people may know. No. And the way they did it, and the way they really hooked you in, and you know the the way that they it was almost like a tense moment how mm-hmm. they were explaining it. You know him. You know he was bleeding to death, and you know all this. It it really. It, it hooked me. It was a great episode. Yeah. I like... And going forward, I like a lot of the episodes that happened before, like, the internet era. Like, this happened... Mm-hmm. The Bruiser Brody thing happened in the late 80s. Yeah, um, this was all stuff that was... You know, you, you read about it or you heard about it. Yeah. You didn't... You know, you, you didn't have instant access to it. Right. So there was a lot of stuff that happened. Like, you know, how did it happen? Why did it happen? You know, like... This filled in a lot of the the uncertainty of the incident. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it was very good. It really was. Um, so moving on. Next one was the last of the Von Erichs. Now, for anyone don't know, Von Erich, the Von Erich family was uh, it was Fritz Von Erich, who was the dad. He uh, was patriarch. a yeah, the patriarch. He was a wrestler in like the I guess fifties and sixties. Uh, he used to have a Nazi gimmick. That was his yes. whole thing. And then he, his sons, all of his sons, I think there were five of them, they all five became wrestlers. Um, yes. So you, you had, uh, let me look up, you had uh, Kevin, 
Kerry, um, David, Chris, and Mike. Mm-hmm. So you had five Von Eric brothers. Uh, I, I don't know the age range. They were all pretty much decently close in age for the most part. Other than David, right? Da- no, uh, Michael. I, f- I forget which one was born first, but yeah. Um, I mean, you talk about a cursed family. <laughs> well, technically, there was a sick son. There was? Jack Von Eric. He was, uh, he was a little kid, and he ended up... That's right. This, this is how fucked up it is. He ended up getting electrocuted and fell into a puddle and drowned in a puddle. I mean, talk about a fucking freak accident. <laughs> yeah. He was only six years old, and that happened in 1959. Yeah, so he, before all this other shit happened, he was the first to kind of, I guess, start the, the curse. Stage. Yeah, he really did. Um, so you had Kevin, who was born May 15th, actually. Huh, okay. You had David. Yes. You had Carrie, Mike, and then Chris. Chris yeah. Was the baby. Yeah, Chris was the baby. So, the first to go, I'm, I'm trying, I don't know if it's the first, but we're going to kind of go through them. Um, Kevin Von Eric, just a spoiler alert, he was the, he's the only remaining brother alive. Yes. And they had, they interviewed him. Mm-hmm. He was throughout the entire episode. So, a uh, very sad episode, just thinking about the fact that he had all these brothers and now that's it, he's the last one. Prince is dead. Mom's dead. It's him. Yeah. Uh, David Von Erich was the guy, out of all of them, that was going to be, like, the star. Uh, his nickname yeah. was the Yellow Rose of Texas. He used to come out with the Yellow Rose and give it to the, the girls. Um, in line to be NWA champion, which back in the early 80s was, like, a big fucking deal. Yeah. Like, they didn't put it on anybody. Like, they, there was a committee, and they all had to decide... Who was going to be like the next NWA champion, and he was in line to be that. Um, he went to Japan, Japan on a tour, and he died. Um, and the there's mystery that's yeah this as well. the circumstances around it. Like some people said it was drugs, other people said he just kind of I think it was like a heart like he died of a heart disease or no, something. There was a there, it was like a staph infection. That's what it was a staph infection or like something burst. Yeah. Um, but no one really knows what happened. Uh, Ric Flair, in his book, said that um, that everyone in wrestling believes that it was drug-related. Um, and that Bruiser Brody disposed of the narcotics by flushing them down the toilet before like anyone else got there. Uh, I mean, it kind of throws back to the last episode what the kind of guy Bruiser Brody was. Like, Even though he was this big dude, a lot of people who knew him personally said he was like this really nice guy, like good friend. He was a family man. Yeah, big family man. Um, and, he, and he was protecting the business. Yes, that too. So he dies. Um, you had Mike Von Erich, who uh, he died a little bit later in the late 80s. He committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, he was like a kind of like the middle of the... the uh, the road kind of brother, like he wasn't as good as David or Kerry or Kevin, but he wasn't bad. But he yes. he was a, he was a decent wrestler, but he wasn't one of the best ones. Um, there was Chris Von Erich, mm-hmm. who uh, also killed himself um, because. Um, well, I'm sorry. Let's go, let's go back to Mike Mike Von Erich. He uh, he died in eight in the eighties after. Um, he, uh, he committed suicide, too. <laughs> yes. There were three committed, right, three committed suicide. Yeah. And then there was the suspicion one. Yeah. So it was Chris Von Erich, who was like the little... He was kind of forced into it. He was like the very younger brother of all of them. He was the baby. They said he and had he very... Was, he was like an oopsie, almost. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of medical issues as a kid. He had brittle right. bone syndrome. He was much smaller than them. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Fritz ran... WCCW. Yeah, in Texas. In Texas. It was a Texas base. At, this is when it was still regional. Mm-hmm. And the women would go nuts for the Von Erics. They loved them. Oh, they yeah. They their shirts off all this. Chris was, again, like, 
he almost looked like the adopted brother. Definitely. He did not fit any of the mold. He, he was, was shorter. He wasn't as built. He, he wasn't as good of wrestling uh, as a wrestler because of the delayed things with his health. Yeah. Loved re- and and he, he, he loved wrestling. He loved, he loved it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But he just did not have the DNA as his brothers did to yeah. be uh, as successful. So, um, but after Mike died, Chris became really depressed. And about two weeks after his 22nd birthday, he, uh, he killed himself with a gunshot to the head. Yes. Um, then you had the most famous brother, I think, Kerry Von Erich, who, after David died, Kerry was kind of chosen to be the guy to be, like, the next big Von Erich. He beat... Uh, David was supposed to beat Ric Flair for the title. Kerry Von Erich did it instead at this big show in Texas that drew, like, like probably, like, 80,000 fans. Yeah. Uh, which, for a... Regional territory is like it's that's something else. Um, he went to the WWF as the Texas Tornado in 1990, had some success there, but wasn't around very long. I think he was only around for like maybe two and a half years. Yeah, it was not a very long stint there. Yeah. Um, he. He actually came in. Didn't he come in as the modern day warrior? No, because they already had um, the Ultimate Warrior. They had the Ultimate Warrior, and I thought they had him, and that's why the Road Warriors changed their name to Legion of Doom. Uh, I think they just kind of nixed any warrior coming in and then changed their name. That's why he became Texas Tornado. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was the modern-day warrior before that. Um, when he History inter- of drug and alcohol abuse. Oh, abs- yeah, big time. And I think he was going to be brought up on charges for that. Well, what happened was, I think before the charges came down... He was driving, um, he was driving, I don't know if it was to an event or coming home, something happened and he was in an accident. Right. Because of the accident, they had to amputate his leg. Mm-hmm. Which, this guy was one tough son of a bitch, though. And this is the funny part, is that no one knew about this. Unless, like, you no really one. knew him, he had, he didn't have a, I think from the, the, uh, knee down on his right leg, it was just, oh. it was prosthetic, Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, I was uh, I was listening to a different podcast with Roddy Piper on it, and he like walked into the locker room one day, and there's Kerry Von Erich with no leg. Yeah, and he was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> he like like it like you know no one no one in the business kind of knew. Yeah, and the Von Erichs, Fritz was more of a mauler type of guy. They had they had a move you know it was the claw like where they would. Pretty much just squeeze with their hand. Yeah. Where the Von Eric, they they morphed from being that molar type, that Gorilla Monsoon, you know, Mad Mad Dog Vachon, that like just bruising person. Mm-hmm. They were more technical and a little more um, high flying, if you will. Yeah. Oh yeah. And for him to be able to still do this while having a fucking fake leg is amazing. Yeah. But then you get near end where you were bringing up. So he gets indicted on, on drug charges, I believe. Um, probably going to face jail time. Mm-hmm. He goes out to a field yeah, by himself. Parents, like, I'm going to go out and take the car. Yeah. Or the Jeep. Goes out to a field, shoots himself in the chest. Yeah. Dead. Uh, that was in 1993. Early 93. So then he left with uh, Kevin Von Erich. And that's, and that's pretty much it. Like, he... Uh, I think he re- he wrestled in the '90s a little bit. I think he made some appearances in WCW, like nothing major. Yeah, there's uh, no huge push. Yeah, he pretty much kind of. I think after the after everything, I think he just pretty much faded away from the business. He he would make sporadic appearances here and there over the years, but nothing big. It was more for I think the namesake. Yeah. And in my honest opinion, I think people were scared to put him in. And you have to look at it this way: when you have such tragedy in a family if you give this guy a huge push and pop mm-hmm. and say the fans don't accept it or say he can't live up to the potential or he's not good on the mic I mean there's so many different things of why they've pushed certain people with certain gimmicks and they failed yeah. and then other ones went insane mm-hmm. the ringmaster Stone Cold Steve Austin you know, like 
the ringmaster, he, he was a mid-carder. Stone Cold, greatest wrestler for mm-hmm. 10 years. Yeah. I think if they ever pushed him into this role and he couldn't fulfill it, I think people were scared that, you know what, it's like, well, obviously there's maybe some mental illness in the family, there's obviously drug and alcohol abuse, but we don't we don't want to get into this. We don't want to be the cause of literally ending the entire Von Erich line. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely think that organizations were very against making him anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave this episode four stars. Really? Yeah. What about you? This was a five star for me. Really? Okay. I mean, it's yeah. still it's still good. Uh, I like the fact that one, it wasn't all about Carrie. Yes. Yeah. You obviously he is the household name from being in WWF, but other than from maybe being in Texas. Mm-hmm. They could have really sat there and pushed that and said, you know, he was this. But they they made a point to say that the um, oldest brother was the best. Mm-hmm. Or the second oldest brother was the best. Like, this was not all about Carrie. They 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 hit every brother. They gave great in-depth stories and what was going on. It really made it a, a total episode for me. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. Oh, this it was... Was... No, go ahead, go ahead. No, this, uh, uh, so far... This was the one I'm like, wow, this this one blew my mind. Yeah. I was just like, each one kept getting progressively better, mm-hmm. and then this one just shot off, because you had how many storylines, you know, like I said, tragedy right from early age, the father and his, organ, you know, running an organization, you know, brother after brother, and tragedy, and the first-hand perspective of the only one still alive, it really was a great episode. It was a great episode. And they gave pretty much everyone equal coverage. Yeah. So I, that's why I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. This I mean a lot of these episodes I, I wish they were longer. And I know yeah. you I know you can't, but like I like wow, I, I, they can keep going with so much of this stuff. I, I wish it, I wish they it was like a two hour thing. Like a three parter. Oh yeah, they really could. They they really did not even throw in a lot of just the WCCW stuff on how Fritz got it there and, and really was pushing the kids and how he you know granted you know, they were a second-generation wrestling family, mm-hmm. but they didn't really explain too much of it. Yeah. And I think that that would have been just a... It, it, this easily could have been a three-parter to me. Um, so, next episode is about another WCCW guy called uh, Gorgeous Gino, and this episode is called The Mysterious Death of Gorgeous Gino, uh, Gino Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... I don't think he was the top bad guy because he had the free birds there, but he was like almost at the top. Um, it was it was like him or the free birds, him, Chris Adams, all these guys. Oh yeah. So he uh, again another death under mysterious circumstances. Uh, he did a lot of coke. Um, yes. Party he guy. he was one of those guys that they always said like if he lived, he definitely would have gone to WWF. Um, there were rumors, I don't know how true they are, but they said that he could have had the Million Dollar Man gimmick when he came in. Oh, you definitely could have seen that. Yeah. Um, Right on the mic, physique, he, it it was key fob all the time with him. You know, he, what, how he acted in the ring is how he acted in his personal life. mm Mm-hmm. He was, and for anyone who knows Ric Flair... He's essentially the druggy Ric Flair. Pretty Ric much. Flair was a boozer. Yeah. Gino Hernandez was a druggie. He was like the uh, the Western Ric Flair, I guess you can say, like the West, the Southern Western area, yeah. like the Texas Red, the Texas Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, so he uh, he died on February fourth, nineteen eighty six. Uh, police broke into his uh, his home, his condo, and find him dead. He's been there for like three or four days. Um, they uh, first ruled it a homicide, mm-hmm. then did autopsy, and they said, oh, you know, it was a cocaine overdose. But from what they've kind of gathered, he might have had some um, dealings with the cartel. 
Um, so that now they they don't know if like that had something to do with it or not. Um, yeah, that's about it. He was trained by Jose Lothario, who also trained Shawn, uh, Shawn Michaels. Yes. And if you ever seen him wrestle, he kind of had that Shawn Michaels, like when Shawn Michaels became a bad guy, almost kind of had that same right. kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, a, another great episode because, again, this was the territories. We're from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Us to sit there and see and hear about something that we really weren't, accustomed to because again you had you had Bruiser Brody coming around the Von Erics were known obviously Kerry being in WWF he this is again as you said before the internet before you could really research this this was like I don't know if I'm using the correct word but like folklore of wrestling this was there was this guy and this is what he did and this is how it happened and this is how it ended and it might have made national news just, oh, hey, a wrestler died of this. Mm-hmm. But that's all you got. You didn't hear the backstory, how he acted, how he was. And from what they're saying on the show, he could have been huge. He had mic presence. He had the charisma. He had the looks. I mean, and apparently he had a, a huge nostril to snort so much <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If he, like I said before, if he came... To WWF, he would have been shot to the moon. Mm-hmm. Like maybe not be world champion, but he definitely would have wrestled Hogan or Macho Man for the title, at, like house shows or something. Like he definitely had an intercontinental champion. Oh, I, I think you're right. I think he definitely would have been an intercontinental champion. If you would have thrown him in with like the Honky Tonk Man, Mister Perfect, Tito Santana, he was like that. Yeah, I think he would have been perfect. Right, good, and, uh, very good, small guy. What's that? He was like a small guy, but like, you're right, like a Tito Santana or a Rick Martel. Yeah, he definitely would have been that. Obviously, we can't make him, and, and during that time, you have to be a monster to kind of be the world heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. But a perfect intercontinental champion. Right. Um, so I gave this episode four stars. Okay. I, I did like it. I... It's like what you said before. This is like a B side. Mm-hmm. This is someone that not a lot of people, unless you really know wrestling, you don't know about Gino Hernandez. No. So I think this kind of brought that whole situation to the forefront. It, it got a lot of eyes on it, um, and I like that they kind of dove into it because I, I've heard about him before, mm-hmm. but I never knew so much detail about it. So this is an episode where I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so yeah I'm with a four on you as well it almost made it to a four and a half if I think they could have maybe dipped a little bit more into the seediness of them yeah in regards to like the cartel type thing yeah they could have definitely I think maybe dug a little bit deeper and to see if they could have nosed around a little bit more yeah but and again you have to look at the way that 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 uh that territory is there's not a lot of people around from there anymore no so it, it i definitely think it could have had a little bit more but what a great story to tell i mean definitely a dark side of the ring yeah and uh not to, just to cap this off his funeral service was paid by a local drug dealer trafficker called john royal with whom uh gino had become friends with um and the family did not like the fact that this guy was paying for the funeral, so it kind of makes had, you yeah, wonder. And didn't he have like this, like this grandiose casket? Oh shit? yeah, it was a big funeral, big yeah. funeral. So, so we get. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Nope, just a solid episode. Yeah, it was really good. So now we get to the season finale of season one, which was about the fabulous Mula. Um. So I'm going to come right off the bat with this one. I, I gave it one star. Okay. Because I feel like a lot of it was... You had a lot of women who were like... Basically what Fabulous Moolah did was she trained wrestlers. Female wrestlers. Female they wrestlers. They lived at her... I guess she had like a ranch or something like that. They, li- mm-hmm. they lived there, room and board, all that crap. But she took a gigantic percentage out of whatever they got booked for... She took 
for the room and board, for booking them, basically oh, yeah. leaving with nothing. Also was accused of pimping some of the women out. Say, listen, like, I'm going to send you the here. Like, if you kind of do him a favor, he might book you. Yeah. Um, so there was speculation. So some women said that. Other women came to her defense. Um, I feel like this was kind of like a lot of this shit came to light after she died. Mm-hmm. So it's almost kind of like it didn't happen before. Like, she can't defend herself. Um, it just what I was a little bored by the episode uh, from that matter because it was just kind of like a witch hunt. Like, she did this, this. It had huge ramifications where they were going to name a battle royal at WrestleMania for her, but then after all this stuff came out, they took it away. <laughs> like, one week it was called the Fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. Next week it's just called the Women's Battle Royal. No, was it, didn't it turn into the May Young? No, May Young was the tournament that happened oh, okay. in the summertime, yeah. Um... I was never big on the Fabulous Moolah growing up. Um, I just knew her as like an old women's wrestler. I res- kind of respected her for what she did. Twenty-seven year champion. Yeah, oh yeah. But I just was. She never really kind of like. She never clicked with me. Um, probably the biggest thing she not the biggest thing she did, but she was involved in the original screw job with Wendy Richter. Yeah. Um, you can go look this on YouTube. It's there. Um, Wendy Richter was. In contract negotiations, negotiations with Vince McMahon, she was the women's champion. Um, wanted more money. Vince McMahon didn't see women's wrestling as that um, that high like it is today. Um, so he was kind of lowballing her. She wouldn't sign. So she went out and had a match with a woman called the Spider Lady, and pretty much almost like the Montreal Screw Job, she just got her down. Held her shoulders down and pinned her without Wendy Richter kind of knowing what was going on. Um, and then the mask came off and it was Fabulous Moolah as the Spider Lady. Yes. So she, uh, Vince McMahon was very loyal to her. And I think that's kind of why like he um, had her do it. And she was very loyal to Vince McMahon. Take it a different route. Okay. I like this episode. Okay. Women's wrestling was a novelty. It, it really was, yeah. It was a sideshow. It was... You had the men wrestling. You had the... Then, you had the women wrestling and, like, the midget wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> this was a woman who, for probably, what, 35 years... Yeah, a long time. At the beginning of her career and then through the championship, held this in. Kept this relevant. Wendy Richter was kind of the 80s big star. And then then women's wrestling died off. There was a little bit of a revival with like Alundra Blaze. Mm -hmm. And a few of them during that like... Early 90s. Late 80s, early, early 90s. Yeah. And then again, then it died off. And then it brought back. It, then it, it, it. Women in wrestling were always valets, managers. They didn't have a big thing. This is someone who really kept that aspect of wrestling, which is out there. There's a long history of it alive, and I enjoyed almost the ruthlessness of her. Okay. You know, she. You always had her as this. You know, she wasn't always a fan favorite. She was a fan favorite, but she she had that aspect, that whole genre of wrestling in her pocket, and she ran it. She ran it like a like a mob boss. You know, you're gonna you're gonna I'm gonna train you. You're gonna pay me. You're gonna live here. You're gonna pay me. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna I'm gonna source you as talent. You're gonna pay me. I'm gonna do your booking. You're gonna pay me. She was she was a pimp. She was like an OG of just being that sleazy type of just nasty woman. And I thought it was great. What I didn't like about the Fabulous Mola was the end of her career. Getting put through tables by the Dudleys? <laughs> yeah. They, 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 at that point, it was just, it was, it was that last piece of string. 
Yeah. And they just kept pulling and pulling and pulling. And pulling. I, I think that had to do with, again, like I brought up her loyalty to Vince McMahon. I think he wanted to kind of like give her something to do to, to pay her. Because she was, she was like in her 80s at that point. So her and Mae Young kind of were palling around. They, you know, Mae Young took her top off and was doing crazy shit. And Moolah was kind of like, like the voice that's of reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. So I think that's why she was kind of around. But the people loved it. <laughs> so. Oh, absolutely. They ate it up because, again, you a lot of people didn't realize what happened back then. Mm-hmm. And I think just that whole aspect of her and how she treated people. And, again, you had women wrestlers that trained under her said that she was the nastiest bitch alive. Mm-hmm. And other ones were like, she made me, you know, she made me rich and famous and I lived a good life because of her. Yeah. She's a yeah. very... A very complex character, if you will. Mm-hmm. The, the whole, she was the way that they made this portray her. It was like a character, but it was her real life. Where the wrestling thing was not a character. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I definitely, I definitely like the way that they they did this one. Yeah. So I, I guess we disagree on this one. Well, how many stars do you give it? Oh, this was a four-star. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right, good. No, I, I liked it. All right, good. Yeah. So, that's season one. So, like, what would you rate the season? One through five. What do you give it? Uh, I enjoyed almost all of them. Okay. There was not one where I was like, eh, this one isn't good. I'm going to say a four. I gave it a season four. Solid episodes. A little bit of history that I didn't know. A little bit of history that I did know. And I enjoyed how they portrayed it. I I, I liked it. I thought it was a good season. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it three and a half. It almost got four, but that Fabulous Moodle one for me kind of brought it down. Okay. Um, I loved it. I did love the season. Don't get me wrong. It, it definitely... After it was done, I was like, I can't wait for season two. What it definitely did do for me was make me... And it, it's really weird how... Uh, I've tried to... I, I'm not saying I'm getting back in the wrestling where I'm watching it, because there's just way too much of it. Yeah. But I am... I, I listen to... I guess we'll plug other podcasts right now. I listen to the Stone Cold one. Mm-hmm. I listen to the Jerry Lawler one. And they do talk about... You know, the yesteryears. Mm-hmm. They talk about things that happened in the past. And then I hear this. It got me really interested in the territory wrestling, where now I'm really looking into that. I want to I wanna read about when, you know, Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler are running, you know, the Tennessee territory. And Vern Gagne up in Minnesota. And it, I, I've definitely opened up my, uh, my view of it. Right. As wrestling not just being WWF. WCW and ECW. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at everything now. Nice. I, and I, it, I did like this season. Okay. So. Well, so that's part one. So we're about an, we're about at about an hour now. Um, follow us on Twitter, Bull in the Ring PC, Instagram, Bull Ring PC, Facebook under Joe Tom. Uh, we're on Podbean, Podcoin, Spotify, Apple Music. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, rate and review us. And any last words? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, stay tuned next week for part two. We'll go over the second season and our season three predictions. Uh, for Joe. Macho Man. <laughs> and we'll see you next week right here on Bulls in the Ring. She's like a lost